I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, welcome. It is the 15th of December. This is the COB podcast. I'm Nadine Blaney here with uh, David Scott. Scotty, you like a Tuesday, don't you? I love Tuesdays, particularly this one. Uh, second time around is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, okay. Let's go to where the market finished. So the XJO was down by about four tenths of 1% right from the get go. This was not a positive session and it did become a bit droopy is that the word toward the end yeah droopy uh, a bit uh, meh so Lackluster. yeah look uh on a relative basis you know up yesterday down today two days performance flat well pretty much i mean yesterday we were up by a quarter percent anyways do the math yourself if we talk sectors <laughs> we've got energy and materials really weighing i know you want to say something but just wait let's get through this um, the material space was down by 1.7%, energy off by pretty close to 2 bang on 2%. Uh, a lot of uh, what's going on with energy was OPEC reducing its projections for f- global fuel consumption. And I guess the, the, the material space, the metals and the miners, you could look to a number of different narratives. Yes, uh, the China Iron and Steel Association doesn't like the uh, input costs uh, that we're seeing known as splurge in iron ore prices uh, and met coal prices. That's uh, making it apparently very difficult for its members. Uh, We've also seen a lot of speculative activity uh, reportedly in uh, daily iron ore futures in China, which may explain some of the recent strength. And of course, uh, on the uh, the coal front as well, uh, some uh, some pretty big news overnight about China officially uh, putting in place a ban on Australian thermal coal exports. Uh, obviously, that's uh, not great news for our producers and uh, unsurprising to see some of the players here locally uh, get hammered today. Yeah, Coronado Coal down by 11%. Whitehaven Coal off by 6%. You know, that's been on the buy list for some of our expert guests on the show. So it'll be interesting to know and we'll ask if they topped up on this pullback or do they see this confirmation coming from the Chinese mouthpiece that, you know, this is for real or, you know, is it for real for now? And then once they want to stockpile once again, you know, they start buying again. What do you think, Scotty? Uh, it's a really interesting question. Um, what happens next year? We know that uh, the China operates quota systems. We know in the past that uh, the Chinese government has gone and put temporary uh, blocks on uh, imports coming into the country when it comes to coal to go and support its local steel sector, its local coal mining sectors and the like. So... We know that the uh, trade tensions are real. We know that they're in place. But I wonder whether this move from the uh, from the government on this occasion may just be coincidental and being used as uh, something that would normally used as yeah, cover. Would no- normally take place, but instead it's being used as you know, oh, this is part of the other uh, trade splat. Uh, so let's see what happens come early in the new year. If there's no pickup in uh, you know any uh, Australian coal demand out of China, we know that it is rigid ditch. Okay, it was uh, busy. Eleven thirty. We had payrolls data out. We had consumer confidence out today. We also had the RBA minutes out today. I don't think there was anything earth-shatteringly new in there. We know it's all about jobs. 
when it comes to monetary policy here in Australia to get businesses out there hiring, to get them innovating, as uh, the RBA Governor Phil Lowe has to say. Uh, but then you get you know a lot of chatter out there that with the economic data looking so good, with Australians cashed up, with all of the savings and the super money we've got tucked away, this economy is set up for a roaring year next year. Even Martin Crabb, CIO at Sean Partners, has sort of changed his thesis about discretionary retailers and consumer staples through 2021 because we're so cashed up. How can our central bank sit on its hands for that full three years? Now, there is the chatter that they will they will look to lift rates before that, uh, that firm forward guidance is up. I had a great chat with uh, Chris Rands, who's a fund manager at uh, Nico Asset Management, uh, you know, later in the day today. And uh, I was telling him about my long memory. So I remember back to uh, no, the second half of 2009 and uh, RBA, then RBA Governor Glenn Stevens became the first uh, developed and major uh, central bank governor to go and hike rates. And uh, it was all about making way for the mining boom and we had to go and forge off what's going on, on the East Coast. It's all about you know, commodity prices and the like. Uh, it was really preemptive. Uh, why the banks will need to go and tighten policy then, I'm not sure. In hindsight, I think it probably wishes that it didn't. And uh, the scenario is so similar to what we're seeing today. So Australia's come out of this pandemic period pretty well off and, and much better shape than a lot of others. We know we've got a lot of good, good things going for us domestically at the moment. But I just wonder, like, no, you've got an unemployment rate of 7%. Now, for the RBA to go and start talking about tightening policy, it's told us that it needs to see inflation in its 2 to 3% mm -hmm. bike. Not forecast, it has to happen. Yep. Now, for that to happen, it believes that uh, the unemployment rate's got to have a four-point something handle on it. I reckon that, um, that no, it probably has to be 4.0 or below to go and get there. So, the mistake of 2009, do you think the bank's going to go and do it again? Well, my view is no. I think we'll wait for other major central banks to start moving down that normalisation path and it will go with the crowd. Very difficult to be an outlier um, when you've got some central banks with negative interest rates. Um, Westpac put out a note. They do expect QE to continue into 2021 and they've put out a bit of an order of... Um, of normalization in terms of you know monetary policy and how they've got it is that first uh, QE uh, gets unwound, then yield curve control, followed by adjusting the cash rate. So certainly Westpac not expecting anything to happen on that cash rate front anytime soon either. Let's get back to equities. Busy day in terms of listings here in Australia. Silk Laser was one of those companies listing today. We chatted with its CEO, Martin Perelman, and you can listen to that interview via the show notes. We um, maybe skip ahead to our stock of the day, which was Push Pay. The day started with ooh. Ooh, some pretty juicy news that um, its uh, co-founder and executive director in one of the companies that it just recently acquired will be um, selling down their stake and in fact the company undertaking a fully underwritten book build to facilitate that sell down so yeah rbc raising questions about it saying that it's uh maybe not all all couth it's not uh it, it's just yeah a little bit a uh, little bit questionable here is what a couple of our expert guests had to say about push pay the ticker code is pph it is Howard Coleman from Team Invest and Gary Glover from Novus Capital. The plus for this company is actually they're profitable, which is pretty rare in this space because yeah. most of them uh, don't make a lot of money and the revenue lines obviously are going up, which everyone's, that's the appealing aspect to the market at the moment. 
when you see the founders you know, selling what, 5% of the company down, pretty big numbers there. Mm. You know, if really, if you, if you thought this thing had lots more legs, you'd be probably, you should be sort of staying with it. I know they're going to exit at some point, but this is pretty big. When the insiders in a company are quite regularly selling down large stakes in the business, and that's happened in this company quite a few times. Uh, it's not a company I would normally follow, doesn't have enough history to come up on our radar. Now, when they believe that their shares are overpriced and they'd rather have their money than shares, it's not a sign that investors who know less about the company should think that the shares are worth more than the money. So, as I say, not a good sign. So that was Howard Coleman finishing the thoughts there on Pushpay, not going in the portfolio, just in case you're wondering, Scotty. Yes, done. I wonder if the other uh, news that came out earlier today as well might have explained some of the other uh, weakness we saw in those uh, buy now, pay later sector as a broader, uh, broader hole because uh, it was really noticeable that we saw the tech stocks really perform overnight yeah, on Wall did. Street. And uh, so when I go and like, in, uh, although I, I don't like just putting it all in one basket and saying technology. We know that the, uh, the buy now, pay later is the kind of poster child for our technology sector. And it was really interesting to see that uh, there was no follow-through whatsoever from our local listed names here. Yeah, okay. So interesting line to draw. Um, if you want to hear what Scott Phillips has to think about after pay, he calls it madness. His quote, not mine. You can do so via the show notes. And uh, as well, he talks about his view on these geopolitical tensions with China, what he would be doing if he owned any of the iron ore miners. And helpfully, he gives you a couple names that he does still believe in, even in light of the rising tensions with China. So there's there's the tease for you. We spoke with Bob Desmond from Evans & Partners. He gave us three U.S. names that he loves heading into 2021. Had a bit of a chat about, um, about a spot of shopping that you, you know, can be done in the US. Well, you, your shopping patterns, at least. I was, well, I was quite intrigued. I, was, I basically just went and put it on a back seat and I was just having a bit of a, oh, gee, that's interesting. Amazing like, the yeah. things that you can learn when yeah. you sit back and listen. Yeah, if I buy, if I buy a present, I'll always make sure I go to one of those. <laughs> right I won't go to get anything I fancy. do love a bargain. You know that. <laughs> you know me enough to know that, yeah, everything's got to be Everyone on loves sale. a bargain. Yeah. Okay, so tomorrow we get the Flash Manufacturing and Services PMI from the AI Group and uh, we get the Melbourne Institute's leading index, <clears throat> excuse me, we get HIA new home sales as well. So a little bit of color coming through on the Australian economy, nothing that will really move the dial. We've got a panel lined up for you in the morning at 9.30. You'll want to join us. Jim Bay Lu, lead portfolio manager at Tribeca and uh, Marcus Bogdan, he's CIO of Blackmore Capital. They'll be talking us through what they are keen to buy and sell heading into 2021. And we'll also speak with a healthcare analyst, first time on the program, Hashan De Silva from CLSA on um, yeah, the local healthcare space and how it's positioned right now. And then, um, you know, your wheelhouse study, Joel Parsons from Drakewood Funds, will be talking about coal experts, probably hashing through some of those um, supply and demand dynamics that are normal for this time of year and what we could be, um, you know, experiencing now. Yeah, Joel's a, a very good person to talk to, uh, inside knowledge from uh, from some of the big miners, the biggest miners out there as well. So I uh, know always great to go and have uh, some insight as to what's really going on. Uh, straight shooter, which we always like here on the program. Yeah, and um, later in the day, so this is an interesting one because employers can now ask their employees to come back into the office, essentially. Now, the next question that might be put to employers is, can you 
forced your workplace and your work, um, you know, your workforce to get a COVID-19 vaccine. Interesting question, right? Well, Joy Poor, founder of People and Culture Strategies, will be walking us through the logistics as well as the legalities um, of that question. It's also similar to what my view is going to be about tomorrow. I'm yeah. having, letting it saute in my head for the time being. But yeah. uh, Saute, I, good word. I would think percolate, but go ahead. No, but uh, it's just, just simmering away. But mm-hmm. uh, I think that uh, there's one risk that, uh, that Australians in particular aren't pricing in next year. Um, and I think it's going to be very problematic for the government, but uh, you'll have to wait until tomorrow to go and find out what. Ooh, I like a good tease, Scotty. All right. Um, Shall we call it a wrap? Let's wrap it up. It's hump day tomorrow. One of my Woo-hoo! favorite days of the week, as all the other ones are as well. But uh, looking forward to it already. Sounds like a great list of guests coming up. Okay. See you later, Scotty. Ciao.